to the Employer Blueprint Podcast, where we help leaders build great teams for great companies with your host, entrepreneur and leadership coach, Kyle Gorman. One of the many challenges that companies face when they begin the hiring and recruiting process is understanding the true needs that they have in their organization. Uh, We oftentimes look at the things that we want, and then we try to figure out uh, what's going to fit into those wants. But rarely do we take a step back to take a look and figure out what do we actually need uh, in, in order to make this a successful hire. And what happens is if we don't do this, then we bring in someone that fills a space that we want filled, but then we get three months, six months, 12 months down the road, and we realize, well... This isn't really what we needed, and this person is not adding a lot of value into the organization. So uh, we're going to unpack some of this in today's episode, but I want to go ahead and give you three things to think about as well whenever you're you're trying to uncover the needs of your organization. And this should happen before you begin the hiring process. As you're looking to fill a position, then you want to think about this. What are the true needs? So here's some three tips. First of all, look for gaps. Find the gaps. Where are the spaces in our organization that uh, just aren't getting filled in? What are the tasks that we have on our plate that are not getting taken care of that we need to make sure someone is focused on? That's that's the first thing. That's going to help you understand uh, one of the needs. The other thing that you want to look at, tip two, don't try to replicate yourself. We see this mistake often. Uh, You may have heard me talk about it before on the show even. We see this mistake all the time. When you try to replicate yourself and you think, well, I need another version of me. And if we had another version of me, this thing could continue to grow. Uh, We could excel. We could do so much better. That is uh, rarely, if ever, ever the case. Don't try to replicate yourself. Instead, do an assessment of your strengths and weaknesses and then figure out, based on my weaknesses, what are the strengths that I need someone else to have to really be able to help our organization, to be able to help this company. And then the other tip that I'm going to give on understanding your true needs is what's going to benefit you most? And not just for the right now, but long-term, what's going to benefit you most? And that's one thing that uh, people rarely think about. It's easy to lose sight of. And that is one thing we definitely talk about in today's episode is understanding what that long-term need is. Um, I, I sometimes see companies that are in this hiring process and they say, well, right now we need this. And it would be great if in the short term, I need someone that can come in and hit the ground running and they can do these things, these two or three tasks for us. But they fail to think about what happens whenever those tasks are done. What's going to benefit you most long term? And so um, those are just three things to think about. Find the gaps, don't replicate yourself, and what's going to benefit you most. In today's episode, we're going to uncover more of this, this concept of what your company needs and how to understand what your true needs are as you head into the hiring process. Hope you enjoy today's episode. I always want to remind you, subscribe to the show, connect with us on Facebook. Uh, You can do that through Employer Blueprint. And also, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out at podcast at employerblueprint.com. Thanks so much. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us this week on the show. Um, we are uh, very pleased to have our guest, Sasha Lago. And... Um, 
really looking forward to hearing about her experience and her journey, but uh, she has some great information around um, kind of human behavior and how that's going to impact our teams, which, as we know, plays such a key role in the success or failure of our organization. So, Sasha, uh, joining us uh, today from the West Coast while she's traveling, um, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us and, and share with us. And um, I'm going to turn it over to you, Sasha, if you would, just kind of walk us through your history and experience and kind of what led to where you are now. Yes. Hi, Kyle. Thank you for having me. I come from a management consulting background, and it goes all the way back to when I started working in administration and management. And within administration, I focused on operations, marketing, Mm -hmm. and over a period of time, just organically, I was lured into human resources So I have enough exposure from not only putting my credentials aside, but working at least almost two decades in different types of businesses and industries, understanding what makes a business successful, but also what are some variables that sabotage the well-being of a business. And typically, people at times overlook the most obvious variable, which is people. Yeah. Yeah understanding people and especially in today's age and in the last 15 years majority of my opportunities have been part of working in teams what is a team Mm -hmm. so whether you're on a sports team whether you're part of a family at home or whether you have a career or not even outside the business world uh, people at times underestimate uh, the value of being human Mm-hmm. And celebrating the virtues, and also trying to understand how can uh, how can we find opportunities for growth to refine some of our vices. Now, in the name of business, there isn't that much room, time, and resources to be that tolerant of putting up with everyone's vices. So, how do you hedge your bets to find the right people mm-hmm. for the right mission? And it's not sometimes it's easy, and I believe you have to give luck credit and then there are moments where you have to bring in the best professionals who could seek out the talent and then it goes back to how do you define a talent mm-hmm. because I look at it as each one of us has some talent that we're born with whether we discover it or not and skills are skills are a variable that you can acquire from the outside and keep refining it. Talent is something you're born with, skills you could acquire, but both of them, once you identify what they are, you continue refining them over a period of time. And there are some people who spend their entire life making a living off their skills, but they don't apply their talent. I mean, for example, I know some people who are immaculate, singers and artists but they don't have that desire to pursue that career path right and they're following but it doesn't mean that they're not on the right path it's just they know what they're going to apply to make a living and then the rest is to enjoy life and earn a living yeah yeah well, so, you know, when a business is, um, you know, kind of starting from the beginning of that, when uh, when a company or, you know, a, a business leader recognizes that they need um, 
to bring someone to the organization, whether it's because they've created a new position as the business has grown or they're backfilling something because someone left for whatever reason. What are some things that they need to do to be thinking about what they actually need in the organization um, and how that person might fit in with the other personalities and behaviors that are in the company? Well, there are a few factors, and this is only a small glimpse of what all other professionals may touch upon. To understand, is this a short-term need or a long-term need? Mm. Is this person going to be, let's say, there situationally because somebody just left the organization and everything is up in the air? Or are they going to be a long-term fill? to join the organization and some organizations treat their staff as family and other organizations, you're just a file number. Right. So you have to know that. And then the type of personality you're seeking, Mm -hmm. uh, the type of credentials, because sometimes you're going to find talent, but talent without the personality and the character to fit in. Unless you're looking for a neurosurgeon, you might put up with bad behaviors or that, (laughs) a little questionable attitude or that edge. But overall, you want somebody who knows how to play well with others, being part of a team, to have that maturity of, to be able to absorb, acknowledge, and I would say digest information that comes their way in the professional environment, but also as a person. There are times where I have come across people who are so great with their it could be their technical talent or their skill set, mm-hmm. but they lack the soft skills. Right. And the soft skills are very important, especially nowadays, because majority of the work we do, whether you work remote, you work in an office, you work in the field, mm-hmm. you're constantly engaging people. So it's not about some people are going to be better communicators in writing because mm-hmm. they feel they're more articulate, but you still cannot hide behind a phone or a screen. Yeah. We all need to nurture our communication skills. Some yeah. people are better in person. Uh, I happen to be paired up with clients where I have to over-communicate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I have to encourage them that you also have to meet people halfway. Yeah. Uh, you, looking at personalities, whether you're going back to what do, should you look for? Are you looking for a leader? Are you looking for a manager? Right. Or are you just looking for another a staff member who is competent to get the job done? Mm-hmm. Because on the flip side would be, are you bringing in someone who just wants a paycheck? Which is nothing wrong as long as they don't disrupt the operations of your business. Mm-hmm. Or are you trying to bring somebody on who's seeking a career path? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you hit on something early on in that too, that, uh, that I think is really interesting that I'd I don't know that a lot of companies, especially smaller businesses, um, take time to reflect on, and that is that short-term or long-term need. Uh, do you see oftentimes um, uh, business owners or, or smaller companies uh, trying to fill what is truly a, a short-term need, but but thinking in terms of trying to fill that with a long-term position? Because it seems like that's easy to do because we always think about what's in the moment and what's happening to us right now. I am living proof because prior to the inception of Sasha Talks and working in different types of industries and different sized organizations, I've mm-hmm. also worked in private where it could be a family-owned business or a global organization. 
And I have done all different types of employment from being temporary, being a contractor, being contract to hire. And some of the best successes that I found was that when I was brought in for an immediate need, whether it was for two weeks or someone's going on medical leave, or they hired someone and they just decided to leave and never come back after lunch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I think the best thing that you could do is take advantage of that opportunity and showcase your skill set because that beats even interviewing. Yeah. And from there, business owners or managers or self-aware leaders can identify, okay, this is some talent that I could work with let me see if there's room within the organization of how i could apply them and i've been fortunate very far back in the past where there were roles that were created to retain me mm-hmm. and the best uh, i would say the best compliment you could receive is a referral yeah. or even when you've moved on they call back and they say are you available do you have the bandwidth could you take us on and what's the worst that will happen? Thank you for thinking of me. Because <laughs> when it's busy, when it rains, it pours. When it's a drought, you might hear crickets. Yeah. So I tell yeah. people not to get too arrogant about opportunities that come your way. And don't judge them by the cover. Because I'm living proof that it's just a matter of knowing to identify an opportunity and walk through the door. Yeah, And if you're confident in your skill set, something good will come out of it. Right. right. And from a business owner's perspective, I would say, uh, be open-minded enough to give people a chance, mm-hmm. but don't compromise your mission and your values in the name of doing somebody a favor. That's Because yeah. there are times, and it's similar too for us, whether we're working on a show or a business or a brand, there are going to be people who are good and then they reach out, but their pitch or their take, what they represent may be outside of our realm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if we make exception for one person, it's only a matter of time we're going to do it for another and another. And over time, it's as the kite is flying in a whole different direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. And, and you know, you, sign, you find the same thing. Um, you know, even just internally, when we when we're willing to make those exceptions uh, for someone coming into the organization, then it's then others within the organization will oftentimes see that, and yes. um, and they'll start to recognize. Well, I don't necessarily have to adhere to these policies or the kind of the the the, the core values that we said we built this business on. Because if we're willing to um, uh, if we're willing to make an exception for this person, well, I've been here. And so next thing you know, you turn around uh, a year later and you really aren't the same business, the same personality, the same values that you had built the business on because of being willing to um, to kind of sway in a time of need. And that's a that's a huge risk that um, that you take anytime you try to make that decision. So that's really good advice just to remind people of that, that um, just because there's a, some sort of immediate need, we don't want to kind of lose sight of who we really are as a business and what we really believe in and what we stand for. Yes, and I often remind people, you don't want to walk into your own organization and feel like a guest one morning where you don't recognize the people and the feel. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with being welcoming, but to be 
conscious in the decisions that you make because even though we all are part of a community and we are pushing through and representing healthy missions, mm -hmm. we're not running a charity where you're right. just handing out paychecks. We also want some degree of loyalty and mm -hmm. professionalism where there's the respect to grow together and you're not making anyone give you 10 years of their life. That's right. their choice. And it also forces us as business owners to be on good behavior, to continue growing with our staff. And it's not a command and control culture mm -hmm. where you fast forward 20 years and the staff hasn't grown, then right. the organization hasn't done any good. Mm -hmm. And it also ties into managers and leaders. This is something that I see often where uh, a manager or leader could be walking around and going about their business day and how they engage certain employees. Other people are watching. So if they look at their manager or their leader doing it. Yeah. They implicitly get a green light thinking I could treat uh, my coworkers that way. That's right. That's right. And some managers don't get it because they look at it as I've made it to this juncture in my life. No one's going to tell me or question my behaviors. Yeah. And if that's what you want to do, go run your own business, but <laughs> don't spread that questionable behavior because nowadays uh, people are visual creatures. Mm -hmm. They see what they want to see. They hear what they want to hear. And then they could justify any any type of speech or action and say, well, people at work do it, so I could do it. Right. And yeah. that, that uh, gray line nowadays, especially with social media and people getting so overly engaged with technology, uh, mm -hmm. to what degree, how should you behave if you're working for a third-party organization? Mm-hmm. That is it only good behavior during business hours or also what you do outside of work. Right. And yeah, it just yeah. amazes me that more adults lack the good sense than the younger folks. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah, that's a really good point. And we have to remember that um, you know, our personalities being reflected with social media, it's it's out there all the time. I mean, people can really know who we are at all times. It's harder and harder to kind of segment or silo different areas of our life um, unless we're very, very intentional about that. And so, um, yeah, people will always know who we really are. It's easy to find that out in today's world. Um, so, so Sasha, you know, as, as we, we've kind of talked about what it looks like in bringing someone into the team and, and all of that, but once they're there, um, uh, what are what are some tips that you may give to help really build the cohesiveness of that team? And, you know, understanding, you know, whenever we're doing that, we're bringing in all these different personalities and backgrounds and experiences, but then um, we have to try to get everyone to work cohesively as one unit towards a common goal. So, um, what are some things that, that companies can do to help make sure that that's happening properly and not creating divisions within the organization? Well, typically, depending on the type of roles that they're filling in building a team and within the organization, for example, with the type of management consulting that I do for through the Sasha Talks clientele base, mm -hmm. I have to go through several rounds of screenings in order to make sure that we are in alignment before we even get through the final round of 
acknowledging one another that, okay, there is an opportunity for us to collaborate on for a cause. Now, in organizations, I have seen some leaders build great teams, but they don't know how to nurture them. Mm. Yeah. That they know how to hire people, but they don't know how to retain them. And sometimes it ends up being, let's say, the manager or the leader being the challenge than the solution <laughs> and in yeah. nurturing means there has to be open communication people have to feel respected mm -hmm. trusted enough to speak their mind within the realm of tact diplomacy and honesty you could be tactful and still be honest yeah and to understand that we're all working towards a common cause we're on the same team now, problems arise when it may be the team leader or a team member who starts infusing the atmosphere with putting words in people's mouths and creating misunderstandings, the unnecessary toxic syndrome. And sometimes people do that to overcompensate for their insecurities. Sometimes there's immaturity that even exists among adults, believe it or not. <laughs> and there are times where people are very competitive in nature, that their competitive energy isn't focused in the appropriate direction. Yeah. It's more towards one-on-one -on -one than understanding that uh, garner that energy and project it outwards to mm. deliver what you were hired to do as a team and as an individual. And to understand that there is a social responsibility towards one another, even within the team. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point too. That 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 social responsibility that we have, um, you know, and you you talk about that, and you're you're exactly right and spot on. You know, so many times people are good at bringing someone in, but they're not really good at nurturing that and kind of mentoring them and 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 uh, uh, helping them really kind of fit into the organization and be a true part of it. So um, I know that you know that's something else that you kind of help with that mentoring talent that's there. What are, what are some things that we need to do to be investing in the people that we are working with? Different organizations nurture talent through advocating them to go out, take more classes, more team building, but team building more interpersonal skills. That yeah. There's a difference between having a functional relationship where you and I could be on the same team. We come together and we communicate very respectful and we get through the day just going through the functions that you and I were brought together for. And then a working right. relationship is a little bit more personal without crossing personal boundaries of having an idea of what are your preferences, what are your pet peeves, mm -hmm. what do you do for fun, what is your personality like, and a little bit of who we are needs to be seasoned in our workday culture because you spend so much time working with people and I'm sure whether people wonder or not, uh, there is a respectful way of striking that balance between a professional relationship and a bit social. And social doesn't mean that you have to hang out with people after work. Right. There are people who go to work and they don't go shopping for friends. Right. I know that I spend so much time around strangers, but then I have my personal life where I also engage. And there has to be healthy boundaries, but you want to have a working relationship, not just a functional relationship. A functional right. relationship is very high and dry. So technically, it wouldn't matter if I left the organization or you left the organization. Any other body could come in and do what we do. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we want to humanize our teams by making one another another aware that it's okay to engage in healthy emotions, but there's also times when people are going to engage in unhealthy, and there is a more proper and mature outlet in communicating that. You don't mm-hmm. have to. Uh, and co- confrontation is not a bad word because right. when you put two people together in the room, it's only a matter of time. And think about teams. We're going to have different ideas, different approaches, different strategies. Mm-hmm. And to understand that we all represent our life experiences in that context and to, un- and to respect how to communicate, to acknowledge. And mm-hmm. how many people know how to disagree <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh it's becoming a, a lost art at times, and understanding you know having the ability to just disagree with someone the right way, um, and uh, you know, and I I I agree completely there. I think that um, I think that we have to you know part of the beauty, part of the benefit of having uh, a strong team like that is the different life experiences that we're able to bring into the organization and um, and so that's a good thing. We want people with different backgrounds, different experiences uh, because if not then we're, we're you know it's not going to do the organization any good to have everybody that's identical and everybody the same but with that obviously is is going to come conflict. And I think where it's important for the leader to understand is it is their responsibility as well to make sure that they are managing that conflict so that it is healthy in a way that grows the organization, grows stronger roots, grows stronger relationships, and not uh, impacting the organization in a way that it's creating creating um, uh, division in the organization. And so, um, you know, that is a tough thing that the leaders have to make sure that they're really paying attention to and that they're managing to that. But, uh, but I think it's important for them to understand that that conflict is, that can be a healthy thing. It's natural. It's going to happen. There's nothing yes. you can really do to avoid it, but it can actually be really healthy in the growth of the organization. I think conflict is a healthy word and you uh, you beat me to it because <laughs> I was going to say that I've also seen where leaders and managers, they themselves leading the team are not well versed with conflict. Yeah. So as human beings, if they don't know how to navigate through conflict, how are they going to be able to mediate right. and guide their team? Because I've also seen I would say respectable lead, more so respectable managers build teams, but then they reach a point where I've noticed where the team could do a better job than the manager and the leader. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's a little bit of uneven uh, talent pool because mm-hmm. it seems that the team to babysit the manager. What do you do now? Mm-hmm. And if the manager doesn't know how to navigate through conflict, uh, it's very important because we're talking about teams that adults should have the experience and continue growing and feeling comfortable that you and I could talk through our differences. Right. You don't want to lure in third parties and mediation mm-hmm. in order to navigate through your work day. Because that tells me that uh, somewhere along the line, maybe in your childhood or while growing up or something may have happened where somebody always stood up for you, spoke for you, mm-hmm. or you thought that you were the exception to the rule, mm-hmm. just an example, and you didn't ever have to 
stand up for yourself mm-hmm. and justify and explain what did you mean by that? Why did you engage in that behavior? Some people run from conflict. Believe me, I've seen it. Mm. And they don't even laugh at the thought of it because it, it terrifies them because they think conflict means offending somebody. But conflict just means that you could throw two arrows up in the air and they might bump into one another mm-hmm. and route to where they're going. But yeah. uh, yes, in the recent times, I've seen the biggest challenge being uh, leaders and managers as people not being well-versed with conflict and challenges. Yeah, And it's okay if you need a, li- a little bit of assistance to navigate through these uh, gray areas, but if you're going to be in a leadership position and people look up to you, mm-hmm. you are expected to continue growing as a person. And these sure. are things you're not, you can read all the books you want, mm-hmm. but it's not going to teach you real life experience. That's right. And yeah. you can't yeah. hide or run from it because sooner or later it will hit you hard. And this, um, the more you climb up the ladder, the steeper your fall. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, that's something that I preach on a lot is, you know, oftentimes you see people take time to learn more about their industry and maybe the specific, you know, if they're in marketing, if they're, if they lead a marketing area or, um, or a sales area, you know, they really focus on those things and and becoming experts in an industry. um, But they forget about developing their skills in leadership and management and and recognizing that that is a skill that's a craft in and of itself and uh and i think it's incredibly valuable for people to to be doing that once they once they've made the step made the decision to get into a management or leadership role in an organization whether it's as a business owner or even within a larger company where they they have people that they're responsible for from a management perspective um I believe it is critically important that they are investing in themselves to better hone in the craft of leadership because if they don't, um, they're really letting down the company and they're letting down the people that are working for them. And that, that becomes a top priority at that point is, is um, uh, professionally and consistently and intentionally managing the folks around them. And so um, that's an excellent point. And I think people need to make sure that they are spending more and more time on that area of skill development is in that management and leadership piece. Yes. uh, At the moment, I'm working on my fourth book and it touches upon leadership. Mm -hmm. And, And in the recent times, I have seen more executives either making a proactive effort and learning about themselves and engaging with people around them. Yeah. And then there are those that treat leadership more as a very detached yeah. uh, identity. Yeah. And the thing, and it really makes me question of what type of relationship do you have with yourself? Because you can't dissect your work personality 180 degrees from who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. And it's great that we have all the books out there and people listen to one another. They can watch all, all Uh, different types of rhetoric and shows that may inspire them to become better leaders and managers. But they have to realize that it's one thing to emulate somebody, but you still have to have your own individuality. That's right. So you could read a book, you could quote the author, you could say whatever that lingo would be, Hmm. the phase that people are going through, and you could have a good laugh, but 
there's only one of you and they don't yeah. realize yeah. that they're compromising their identity in the process mm-hmm. and you can't hide behind other people's leadership's uh, tactics right because right. your direct reports have to put up with you every day right. and we want yeah. we want you we want the real person right. for better or worse but they have to show that they're willing to grow with the team and that they're not the exception to the rule because sometimes we'd be surprised that titles are very deceiving. <laughs> yeah. Anybody could acquire a title because they have a technical skill set out there or an artistic skill set, yeah. but then they can back it up with their character. Right. Because when you're growing a business, you have to be able to balance the scale and the scope. And even metaphorically speaking, you have to balance the scale and the scope of the personalities mm-hmm. that you're leading. And you can't fake it. And most of the time when I find senior professionals working for intermediate talent, mm-hmm. reporting to intermediate talent, uh, they're more mature in navigating through those relationships. But at one point, it becomes really challenging because the mindset isn't there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great point. Good advice. And, um, uh, you know, I really appreciate you, you sharing some of these insights. And I know, you know, you, you have a lot of information kind of on the human behavior and obviously how that impacts the teams and our organizations. And uh, I really appreciate you sharing it. Um, Sasha, tell us, how can we learn more about you and, and kind of keep up with what you're doing out there and, and gain more insights from some of the knowledge that you have and how you're helping others? Yes, I know we touched upon random tidbits today, but people are welcome to go to SashaTalks.com. And for more fluid thoughts on management and leadership, they could always drop me a line or hello, and I'll be glad to connect. Okay. Okay. Great. Thank you so much, Sasha. I appreciate it. And um, uh, we'll have links to that in our show notes, but be sure to go check out some of the information that she has out there, her blog and uh, the podcast and, and just some different resources that she has uh, that you can really dive into and get some great information. Sasha, thank you so much. And uh, I hope you have an amazing day. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks for joining us on the Employer Blueprint Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show to receive the latest episodes. For more information on how Employer Blueprint can help build great teams in your business, visit EmployerBlueprint.com. Or to inquire about Kyle speaking at your next event, visit KyleGorman.com. And until next time, make it a great day. Yeah.